I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein and my cat, who just came into the office. She's like the third uh, third host of Pax What She Said, the honorary feline uh, fellow. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about training camp, um, just like everybody else is. Training camp looks a little different now in 2020. You know, a theme from the pressers has been how weird it is for players not getting to ride bikes, especially in Green Bay, to look into the stands and see 30 media members and not 5,000 people in the bleachers um, watching practice. We know that, you know, now the media has to keep things a little closer to the vest. So it's been a lot harder to get feedback or get first impressions from how a lot of the players are looking, but we're going to do our best. So Perry, what are your, I guess, initial thoughts on how the first five days of practice have gone, who are some players that you're keeping an eye on, and maybe who are some players that haven't really, you know, stepped into the limelight like we thought they might? Yeah, it's a great question. Let's see. Um, Well, first of all, football activities are happening. So just in general, I think that's really happy. Um, We haven't had, we've had a few sort of COVID reserve notifications, but I think for the most part, everyone stayed fairly healthy. And so looking forward to, that staying put (laughs) that's a weird way to put that but just like keep themselves in the bubble stay healthy um we have a good amount of injuries that have happened on the field which um I'm wondering you know and we can dive into this a little bit later but uh, I'm wondering if it's from you know the lack of OTAs and mini camps and sort of they haven't had the same like ramp up to training camp as normal. And so everyone's bodies might be just not used to getting hit as much, but I think it's also kind of shown a light a little bit more on the Packers depth and what that would look like if some of our key players went down, um, which again, like, okay. A silver lining maybe is we don't want any of those guys out, but allows something that we've talked about, right. Some guys to sort of step up and take, take some reps with the ones, um, Loving what I'm seeing from the secondary. Obviously, I'm going to make a comment on that first. Just like really, really, not just the starters, but those depth guys that we've been excited about seeing 
I know it's hard to make any kind of judgments on what's going on in camp, but just hearing that guys like Josh Jackson, Kavian Ento, um, Raven Green are making plays um, against some of our starters, you know, intercepting or pass breakups um, from Aaron Rodgers. So love to hear that. Um, can I talk about Rashawn Gary enough? He looks awesome. He looks awesome. Awesome. Um, his presser the other day was great. Just really good insight in how he's feeling, his confidence, his body, and scheme with Petten and everything in the year two jump. Um, the rookies have been really fun to see. We're, we'll definitely dive into them a little bit more, but just AJ Dillon and Josiah DeGuara are really getting in there. Um, looks like they're going to be a serious part of the game plan. So, yeah, all of it. I'm excited about all of it. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it when you said football is back. Like that's, I, you know, went into the kitchen today and asked Mark if he thinks that we'll be able to have a full season of football because now that it's back, I don't want to let it go. Like I'm so excited to see it on my timeline and see guys warming up. And the fact that they're in full pads practicing in Lambo, like it just brings back all of the football feels and I'm not ready to think about, you know, a canceled or shortened season. So while we have it, we have to be optimistic about it. You know, the Packers kind of cleared their COVID reserve list. Nobody's on it anymore. Um, Greg Roberts was the last one, and he went on the pup list now, which is unfortunate for him. But, you know, they're officially in the clear now with their 80-man roster. So that's a promising sign. Um, a couple standouts for me as far as people that we're seeing a lot of. It sounded like MVS had a really slow start to camp, and then in this last fifth practice, he really – was everywhere making big plays, which I think is what you need from him. Uh, and I think maybe having like EQ come back and Jay Kumro and knowing they signed Malik Turner, like these are all guys that are pushing him. And he did say in his presser earlier in the week that, you know, he doesn't need other people to be confident in him because he's confident in himself. And he said that he'd never experienced kind of rehabbing from an injury before. So working on the ankle and somebody who's quick having to rehab where you lose your speed, you lose your cutting ability. Like the fact that he's healthy now, I think we're going to see some productivity from him. Um, really promising start to Christian Kirksey's camp. Everything we've seen has made it sound like he is fitting right in. looks exactly like he's supposed to look. He can drop into coverage, which is something we haven't had in the middle of the defense, uh, which is really exciting. Um, and then it sounds like um, at least, I mean, I think he's impressive, but one of the undrafted rookies to keep an eye on is Tipa Galei. He's getting a ton of recognition, and I know that he's not necessarily rolling with the ones just yet, even though maybe he is now, and we will never know that because we're not allowed to know uh, the first, second, third string practices. But we kind of thought like Tim Williams and Jonathan Garvin were fighting for that fourth spot behind the Smith Bros and Rashawn Gary, but uh, Tipa's kind of coming out of nowhere. And I know he's a little undersized to play the edge, but it looks like he's been really impressive. So just a lot to like. And, you know, this is, I think, partially because we're craving football, but this would be one of the seasons where you really want to see some preseason action because we are getting so few glimpses of what these guys can do that when we make these 53-man roster projections, it's really going to be the rumors that we've heard from camp or the 30-second the clips of an interception or a pass breakup that tell us how guys are doing. So, you know, what are your thoughts um, on some of the players that have left uh, camp a little bit early with injuries, what the depth looks like? And, you know, you talked about it a little bit already, but kind of what that can do holistically uh, for the roster. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say, right? I think some, I think everyone's being um, a little extra precautious, especially with our um, our stars, our starters. So David Bakhtiari obviously went down and that was really scary. Um, he seems to be doing okay, but just taking it slow. Um, same with Devante. He seems to be doing fine. Z's not practicing for some reason, but no one's really said if that's injury related. I'm assuming that it is. Um, you know, and obviously I think the biggest injury so far is Montrevious Adams with a sprained toe. Um, so I think in general, what it does is it very much highlights how important depth is. I mean, everyone knows that injuries happen in football. Um, we were very lucky last season. The Packers were incredibly healthy. Um, and even with four games without Devonte Adams because of turf toe, um, we somehow, we went 4-0. and um, But again, I think it just highlights some of those key positions where the depth is a little bit rocky, and it's on the offensive line and it's in the wide receiver position. Um, and I think, and the defensive line even, not that I I, I think that the guys that are going to step up are, 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 are healthy. I, I wasn't even super confident in Montrevious Adams, but that's beside the point. Um, I just think that, you know, I think, the right side of the offensive line we've seen is a little bit of a camp battle right now between Billy Turner, Lane Taylor, and Rick Wagner. Um, but now, you know, you don't want to ever lose your your star left tackle and David Bakhtiari, and I don't even know who would step up. I, I know they saw that Alex Light was going in, my Richmond guy. Not who You don't want to lose David Bakhtiari, period. But if you do, um, that's not the best depth there. And so I, I hope... Like you said, it kind of shines a little bit of a light on those areas, and we can deal with that now versus in the middle of the season when it's a little bit more critical. And Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff can slide guys in and see how they do at positions that may not be where they're supposed to start at, um, who's going to be that swing tackle, you know what I mean? Or maybe... I don't want to, no, I'm knocking on wood now. I don't want to speak into existence. If a real injury happens, we still have time to go out and, and get someone like a Jared Valdir maybe, right? So um, I think it gives the guys opportunities. Um, the wide receivers already kind of have had to say, you know, who's going to step up into that that wide receiver two role. But with Devontae on the sidelines, it just gives everybody else more reps. And reps is all that we have now without preseason games to show what they got and to show how they fit in the scheme. So um, do I want our starters to be injured? Absolutely not. Um, but if it's not serious and it's not going to impact the season and it allows some of those guys to show what they can do and how they can fit um, and how they can be rotated in, um, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of saw that too as like first impressions from training camp. So David Bakhtiari gets hurt. Alex Light comes in and by all accounts that I've seen so far on social media, the glimpses that we've gotten, he's looked a lot better uh, than maybe you would have thought he would uh, if he had to come in during the actual 2019 season. So there's been improvements there um, with Zadarius Smith not playing. Rashawn Gary is getting the number one reps opposite Preston. But again, it gives like Jonathan Garvin and Tim Williams opportunities. Um, so I think kind of to your point, what we're seeing is, well, we can't really see it anymore, but the different tiers so the players that are kind of teetering, you know, on the third tier might jump to second tier and get reps against second string. Guys that are hovering around potentially backups on first string are getting to fill in for like a Z when he can't play or when he's being held out. So 
kind of just seeing if the players can hang when they're called upon, I think is that, that big piece. And we talked about this with Andy Herman last week about needing the depth on your roster more so than ever with the COVID list, because you're one swab or one negative or one positive test away from potentially needing to call players up from even your practice squad. So kind of what, again, to your point, players getting those extra reps, it becomes especially imperative to make sure that they are able in a pinch um, to make an impact. Yeah. And Jordan Love talked about that too in his presser. I think somebody asked him sort of what he feels like he's not missing out on, but missing out on a little bit in this, his rookie year, like that may be detrimental to him. And he said, you know, all those extra practice times, um, pre-training camp and the preseason games because real game reps and just any kind of reps is what rookies need to get acclimated to the NFL, to understanding the game plan and the scheme, feeling that, you know, cohesion and sort of unspoken, like understanding between your teammates that are out there. And um, it's all about the reps right now. And, and, you know, they only have, you know, practices are short. It's like 60 to 70 minutes, maybe. Um, Sometimes it's just, you know, I saw, we saw yesterday that they just did some walkthroughs. So it's very limited and the season's going to sneak up on us real, real fast. And so I think these, these times um, are going to be really important to not just the rookies, but everyone's development. Yeah. And I think you've got to get hit. Like as somebody who has not played tackle football, I can't, you know, attest (laughs) to what it's like to take a hit, but you know, we're seeing like sack in quotes whenever there's team periods because you're not allowed to touch the quarterback or you need to tap him on the shoulder when you run by and they just count it as a sack. But so even in the preseason and if you let guys get a little bit physical, they're still not tackling. They're still not bringing each other down to the ground. And if they are doing kind of mock tackling, They're not putting their weight into it. They're not putting their bodies into it the same way that they would, even in a preseason game, because preseason is your opportunity to take hits, to give hits, and to show that you can do it and get ready for the regular season at that NFL level. So I think that that's kind of a piece that we're missing too. And I'm wondering if that'll have an impact on injuries the first couple weeks or just, you know, guys getting acclimated to what it feels like again, because there's definitely a difference in taking practice reps and needing to go like in an ice bath and get a rub down versus like playing in a, a preseason game and having that beat down on your body. So I think that maybe yeah. the first couple weeks of the season, we're going to see guys acclimate a little bit slower just because they don't have those live reps. But Aaron totally Rodgers seems fine. You know, Aaron he doesn't, he doesn't so play. Happy. So happy. He's on cloud nine. Um, So one thing that I've been thinking about and we talked about pre-show doing is, you know, yesterday or it came out today, I I was very fortunate and lucky um, to be on Lockdown Packers. So thank you, Peter Bukowski, for having me on. And he asked me a question that I thought was really thought provoking and I really wanted to expand upon and, of course, had to do it with my girl because I needed (laughs) her thoughts on it. So Peter asked me kind of, you know, what does success look like for the Packers this season? You know, what, what can they do, learn from last year or implement or do this coming season that is going to lead them to win football games? And I think with training camp and seeing, you get minimal glimpses into sort of what Matt LaFleur is thinking and where he's going to use guys. And again, it's, it's just training camp. So it's hard to 
really project anything. But if we did and we want to do what they call overreactions to camp, um, <laughs> I wanted to maybe talk about sort of some of the things that we've been seeing and what we think that's going to translate to on game day. And so I guess I'll pose that question to you because we've given glimpses into some things that we're excited about, like certain uh, personnel sets um, or maybe some formations that we're excited for. But now we're actually getting live reps that we can say, you know, I think that's going to look good. So I'll let you go. <laughs> let me that run was a it. really, really long-winded question. But <laughs> I mean, I think that we've talked about some of the very literal aspects of what makes the team successful. Um, you know, you and I agreed they'll probably be a better football team with a worse record because it's hard to be 13-3 and three even when you're really damn good. And you know, 11 and five seems more likely probably in 2020. Um, so like very literally, you know, you obviously there's things like convert on third downs, get off the field on defense and just manage the clock better. I think like, but taking it, I guess, a step further, you know, you listen to Josiah Deguara's rookie presser and he was saying like, he's learning how to play in line out wide at H back and like, this idea of multiplicity, you and I talk about it all the time, but I think that's one element of success. And when the players got drafted, we kept talking about how we weren't sure like where they fit or, you know, everything felt like a reach. They traded up for Jordan love. They drafted a, a quote unquote bruising back in the second. They drafted what everyone called a fullback in the third. And we were all kind of scratching our heads. But if you, now if you take a step back and you look at these players in camp, AJ Dillon has really soft hands. Like he can line up anywhere, just like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So there's versatility there. Josiah Deguara can line up anywhere. He can even play fullback for you. He can line up out wide. You have Jay Sternberger and even like Robert Tanyan, who's getting a ton of praise in camp. So again, there's that idea of multiplicity and for however long we have Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to get into that aspect of it. You have, Jordan Love developing under one of the absolute best Mm -hmm. all time. So I think that what the Packers have done with these players is they've set themselves up for success in the short term, but the contracts that they've extended and the players that they drafted are also setting them up for success in the long term. Like they're not a Rams. They're not a Saints. They don't have to worry about a one-year window. And I think that's always been the goal and that's kind of why the Jordan love thing is so important because when the day of eventually comes that Aaron Rodgers either retires and rides off into the sunset after winning eight more Super Bowls, like whatever it is. So when Aaron Rodgers isn't there, the thought that you can have Jordan love and AJ Dillon and Josiah Deguara and Jay Sternberger on Elton Jenkins kind of seamlessly transition into taking over this team under an offense, the Matt LaFleur has designed and perfected, that's the goal, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to break down some of the things you said further because I, I completely agree with you. I think that, and I think, we, I mean, we've talked about this, but we're not doing this whole idea of like spread offense anymore. This isn't Mike McCarthy. We don't have five, like number one and number two wide receivers on the team anymore. And so, and that's okay. Like offenses can run off other personnel and other formations. And I think that, something that you said is so right is that our running backs and our tight ends are super, super versatile and can line up in multiple different positions. And we can have 
I mean, I think you and I both agree that we're going to see a good amount of 22 personnel. And that only yes. leaves Devontae Adams on the field. And, you know, we have running backs who can catch passes. We have tight ends who theoretically can also run routes and catch passes. So this idea to me of, you know, this whole wide receiver battle, it may not even really be necessary because Jay Sternberger, we hope, is going to be a passing game threat. Josiah DeGuara may take some time. I think it's it's not right to say that him and A.J. Dillon are going to be threats in that way right off the bat, but they can be decoy. You know what I mean? If there's video out there of A.J. Dillon running routes, like deep routes that we've seen in camp, catching passes, then that's just another thing the defense has to think about. And we've seen that Aaron Jones can be a threat in the passing game. Jamal Williams is great in pass pro. So I, I think what you said is spot on is that we have a good amount of versatility, multiplicity from players other than wide receivers. And it's this idea that Matt LaFleur and we have sort of echoed right from him is that this like illusion of complexity is that each of our players can be threats in the running game. They can be threats in the passing game. They can be blockers. You know, we don't, you don't know. It could be the same formation on the field and each guy can do something different and something that I really would love to see this season. And something that Aaron Rodgers is really, really good at is that no huddle up tempo offense. And if we go with, and I'm just going with the same kind of idea that I just put out is this 22 personnel idea with Devontae Adams out. Maybe it's, you know, AJ Dillon and, and Aaron Jones in the backfield or Aaron Jones in the slot. Let's say, you know, there's, there's so many ways that they can be lined up. We don't have to change out personnel and Aaron Rodgers can go up tempo and they, all those players on the field can do so many different things. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in training camp. Obviously I think everyone's just trying to practice everything they have in that book. But um, Matt LaFleur has said that he has tons of plays drafted up that he didn't get to last season. Um, and I hope that some of that is, is that. Um, and I just, I want to get back to that, you know, quick throw, quick, you know, like up-tempo offense that Aaron gets the ball out real fast and nobody knows what's going on. And even if he drains the clock down, it's okay because he's just waiting to see what the defense does in that time. And, you know, especially like if our offensive line is a question mark this year and if our his, you know, right side isn't great, he's going to need to get the ball out faster, unfortunately. He's not going to have the best protection. And so I think the pieces are there to do that. And we've seen it a little bit in camp. Yeah. I mean, I think echoing that, it's something that we talked about where, you know, as Brett Favre aged, they brought in guys like Amon Green, who could just pound the ball and take a lot of that pressure off him. So Brett Favre, towards the tail end of his career, could kind of sink into play action. He didn't have to be a superhero. And for the majority of Aaron Rodgers' career, he was expected to be a superhero. And I mean, when you see the offense they had in 2010, 2011, you're like, hell yeah, he should be a superhero. He's got six uh, number one wide receivers lining up with him. And, you know, a lot of that's fair. But, I mean, I don't want to look back and say, like, there's any doubts or the team could have done more. But I think that that's going to kind of be a shadow over Aaron Rodgers' career when he hangs up his cleats is could the team have done more to support him early on? Like, 
we saw the success that he had in 2019. And I think we'll see a lot of that same success in 2020 because he's not had to shoulder the load when Aaron Jones is, you know, 23 touchdowns for Aaron Jones. Like it's, he's not going to have to do these crazy things to be successful. And if he has AJ Dillon and Jay Sternberger and Rob Tanyan and Josiah DeGuara and Al Mazzard has had a really fantastic start to camp. So if he's got all these pieces who can at least take like just little chips off of his shoulder so that he doesn't have to carry it all. Like that's what you want. And, you know, as he is aging, that's exactly how an offense should look. So I think that that just that idea that he doesn't have to make things happen, the offense can make it happen for him and the offense can kind of, you know, make up for some of the things that he's losing as he ages, which I don't think there's a lot yet. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think he's a top five quarterback, but you know, just there's a lot to really like. And I said it before, I think that everything that the Packers have done has been setting this team up for success long-term You've got the Super Smith Bros, Adrian Amos. They just locked up Kenny Clark. Like, this is a team that the core of it will be together through 2024. Like, you don't have a window. You have, like, you have a doorway to walk through for the next four years. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. And, I mean, I think we saw it a little bit last season is that Aaron had some, quote-unquote, bad games for Aaron Rodgers, for the caliber in which he sets himself at. But we still won. And that's the difference is that it doesn't, it's not contingent upon him being perfect, perfect passer rating Aaron Rodgers in order for the Packers to win games. And if we flip a little bit right to the defenses, you're right. Like we have a really, really young defense. We have them through. They're going to be really comfortable together. They're going into year three with Petten. So it's actually a year ahead of the offense. Um, I think the depth piece at least in the secondary and at Ed Drusher is a little bit stronger. Um, obviously we have a few question marks at D line and inside linebacker that I hope that we clean up a little bit before camp, but I mean, before the season starts, sorry. Um, but we, we have a strong crew that, you know, the offense struggled a little bit. I think at the, the first half of the season, even I think throughout, right? Like, I didn't feel like we ever, besides the Raiders, had like a really true complete game. And that's that we're in our first season with a new head coach, first season with new scheme. I think the growing pains are are fair. This season should be better. But at the same time, if it's if the offense struggles a little bit, we actually have a defense that we can rely on. And I think we haven't been able to say that for a really long time is that whenever the defense trotted out there previous in previous years, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. What are they going to do? Are the safeties going to let up a big play? We can't apply pressure. We're not getting sacks. Like all of that has been alleviated. Um, And you and I have gone into that, you know, a lot, And I think camp has really exposed a lot of those strengths. I mean, we're seeing tweet after tweet and video after video about the defense making plays on the ball. Um, And I think a part of that is, right, Aaron Rodgers just likes to sling it and, like, try stuff out in camp and see what he can do. And that's fair, and that leads to some interceptions. But the defense, to me, from what I'm gathering from the pieces of information that we're getting, because it really is just puzzle pieces, they're they're, they're clicking. They're really strong. And they're working well and they're making plays. And I just, again, if the wide receiver, you know, if anything on offense is struggling at all, like the trust in our defense to do something, to come up with a big play, to 
go three and out to intercept. I mean, we were like one of the best teams in turnover rating last season. I know that that's not something that's very sustainable and it's not the best way to win football games, but if it's something that we're, we're good at and something that we're strong at, like let's keep going. Um, so I think a two in terms of like defense, there's just more trust in that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think it's complimentary football. So, um, I guess like in 2010, 2011, again, was probably the last time we felt like we had a true top rated offense and a true top rated defense. So when you have like the 2014 season where your offense looks really good, you still got Jordy and Cobby and Adams and then your defense, you know, kind of falls apart or in 2016, we didn't have a defense and Aaron Rodgers, it was literally, I will run the table and put the team on my back. And they would not have run the table without the heroics of Aaron Rodgers. Then you have 2019 where you just said, you know, we kind of saw the defense really take a step and Devontae Adams only had five touchdowns. And I say only as if that's like, you know, a small thing, but he missed four games and they were able to, with Alan Lazard and Jake Kumro at MVS, put together a winning game. Like the perfect passer rating in Rogers career came without Devontae Adams on the field. So there's just, you know, that idea of complimenting each other where you can rely on the offense when they're on the field. Zadarius Smith, you know, made the comment of like, it's fourth and one. Yeah, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Like he's going to convert. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, to the same token, it's third and long against the Vikings and Zadarius and Preston combined in the backfield for a sack. Like it's just the reliability of whoever's on the field, even special teams now with Tyler Urban, like there's this sense of comfort with the whole roster that I think we've had a hard time finding in the last couple seasons. So, you know, the, I think like, I think wide receivers are a question mark still, even though I think that there's talent there at the position, but like you look at the running backs, it's loaded. Even like Tim Boyle as a backup quarterback right now has looked really good. So the quarterback position, you don't have to worry about, you have young tight ends that you're hoping develop, but they look good. And on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, edge rusher is huge. Corners are huge. Safety is huge. It's just, it feels like it's a very complete roster from the top down. Yeah, it's definitely complete. I mean, I, I definitely, there's some areas that I worry about. Like, obviously I think our run defense is something that everyone worries a little bit about, but I, I also think like we don't have to be a top five run defense. Like we can be middle of the road, just a little bit better than last year. And I think that I hope at least that the Christian Kirksey signing and maybe Kingsley Kiki you know, can do a little bit more. Dean Lowry can do a little bit more. There isn't like one area where I'm like, we need to make a massive jump. It's just slight improvements to our weaker spots. We're solid. Like I, that's the one thing that I think like in terms of complete, like you said, a complete team is I think we're there. It's just like, you know, Alan Lazard needs to maybe play a full season. Like he did the second half of the year. And maybe we get a tight end in like Jay Sternberger who can contribute in a way that Jimmy Graham couldn't last year. And just very small incremental improvements that will create success on the field. And again, you said it perfectly in the beginning. And this could be a worse record, but a better team. And it's simply because we have a really tough schedule. We play some really, really good teams. We play the Saints. We play the 49ers again. We play the Bucks, who everyone seems to think is going to be good. I still have my questions. Like we, we play the Texans in Deshaun Watson. Like we, we play. We have a hard 
schedule. So I think it, it'll be tough to determine success based off of record, because if we do that, then there's going to be a regression. Um, I do not expect us to go 13 and three again at all. But again, I think that the division itself is, I don't want, I don't want to call the NFC North weak, but it's wide open and it's, it's the pack. It's the Packers to lose. Um, you know, it's, it's there for the taking and I don't see a way that we are going to lose the division unless we seriously tank on the season. Um, and so I think like we are destined for the playoffs. It's just whether or not we can make a late push and that will be determinant of the way Matt LaFleur uses the guys that in a way that will be successful and the way he plays towards Aaron Rodgers' strengths and what he's still good at. Because like you said, he's still easily an elite top five quarterback, but he's not 2014. He's not 2011, right? He he can still make incredible throws, but he's super, super conservative now. He's He doesn't throw into tight windows nearly as much as he used to. Like, he's really got to get his guys open. I think his trust in his receivers is a really big deal. So those are kind of like, I guess, the small things that I'm looking at. But I don't see them being – they're still contenders in my eyes. And I don't say that from because I'm a fan and that's what I hope for. I think I, legit, I legitimately believe it. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. I think that there's – a lot to like. And I think that the same optimism and excitement that we felt for the 2019 season is very much in play for the 2020 season. And again, I think we kind of scratched our heads a little bit right after the draft process, just wondering how all the pieces would fit together, but they didn't get any worse in free agency. You could argue they didn't get better, but then with the pieces that they did bring in, in the draft and the development that they're hoping their guys take, whether it's a Kingsley Kiki whoever it is that they're expecting to take a jump, Jay Sternberger, uh, Big Bob Tanyan, that's that's going to set this roster up for success long-term. But yep. this was a lot of fun. I really, I mean, anytime we get to talk about football is fun, but there's something about training camp and kind of getting to feel like the season is quickly approaching that is almost more enjoyable um, <laughs> just because the excitement is in the air. Everybody starts with a zero zero record, so it's a level playing field. But Perry, do you have any other thoughts before we go ahead and wrap the show and give the listeners a little bit of a break? Because we tend we tend to run long. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just excited to see what else happens in camp. I think obviously there's no preseason game, so it's gonna be tough to sort of know what to expect week one. I think week one might be a little bit of a surprise, but um, you know, just happy to see football activities. I hope everyone stays healthy. I think that's a big thing that was to our advantage last year. Um, So the health is going to be really, really important. I really like Matt LaFleur's approach to just like being precautionary, doing walkthroughs, giving guys a rest. Um, And I'm really excited to see what he has in store for year two. This is like, this is really our, I think our first full year one of Matt LaFleur's like a hundred percent vision. Um, and so I think that's a really exciting thing. I know everyone's going to look at it as a year two situation, but it's really the first time that we're getting a full, full picture of what he has in store. So like you said, we've got some interesting pieces. Um, and I, uh, I just, I can't, I, I cannot wait for week one. I really can't like, I'm going to like cry tears of joy at the first game. Um, just because it's, it's, we've all had a really tough year. Yep. Um, 2020 has been horrible. Um, and sports are a way for all of us to feel 
some sense of normalcy and camaraderie with one another. And as long as COVID does not infiltrate the bubble that is the NFL at the moment, we should get some games to watch. And there's nothing better than that. Any other final thoughts from you, Maggie? Just, I agree. I'm very excited. And I don't think that September 13th can get here soon enough. And the fact that it's against the Vikings, you know, kind of makes it sweeter. So hoping that we have a lot of really good things to talk about in three weeks, but until then we'll just continue to chug along here at Pax What She Said and bring you all of the football content that we can fit into our episodes. Um, But until next week, Perry, how can the people follow your work? Um, instead of going into the long spiel of all the things that I'm on, I'm just going to say, follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. I retweet and have in my bio, all the things that I'm a part of podcasts, live shows. Most of it is with Maggie anyway. So you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. It packs what she said, PWSS podcast. And yeah. I like that. That's short and sweet. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Same with Perry. All my work is in my bio and I retweet all of it because why wouldn't I? So follow the podcast. We are really close to a thousand followers. We might get there this week after this episode drops. So fingers crossed. Uh, We're working on some cool stuff, cool giveaways, cool guests. So, you know, stick around and see what happens. But as always for yet another week, go pack up, go pack up.